Blog Talk Radio. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. You're live on Awake with all... From the House of Representatives, the 59th Congress, Second Session, Citizenship of the United States, Expatriation, and Protection Abroad, Letter from the Secretary of State, Submitting Report on the Subject of Citizenship, Expatriation, and the Protection Abroad. Page 459, Section Morocco. Morocco. Sir, there are strictly speaking no Moroccan laws relating to the citizenship of Moorish subjects in Morocco. The fundamental laws of this non-Christian country are based entirely upon the Islamic code, no part of which treats of the subject of citizenship. Page 460. There are, however, numerous treaties and conventions between the various Christian countries and the Moorish Empire, by means of which citizenship in this country is defined. But, as I understand, from the above acknowledged instructions, that it is not the desire of the Department to call for a report upon such lines, I will therefore confine these remarks to general conditions existing, which may possibly be of some use in connection with the information desired. Section 1. Citizenship in Morocco may be said to be governed by the laws pertaining to the same in other countries, with the exception that all persons residing in Morocco who cannot prove foreign citizenship or protection are considered ipso juer as Moorish subjects. 2 and 3. Moorish subjects lost their nationality only by becoming naturalized in or protected by another country having treaty relations with the Moorish Empire. It was established by the Convention of Madrid, concluded July 3rd, 1880, as follows. Article 15. Any subject of Morocco who has been naturalized in a foreign country and who shall return to Morocco shall, after having remained for a length of time equal to that which shall have been regularly necessary for him to obtain such naturalization, choose between entire submission to the laws of the empire and the obligation to quit Morocco unless it shall be proved that his naturalization in a foreign country was obtained with the consent of the government of 
Morocco. Foreign naturalization heretofore acquired by subjects of Morocco according to the rules established by the laws of each country shall be continued to Hedham as regards all its effects without any restriction. The above ruling has never yet been acted upon, and should this at any time be contemplated seriously, a large number of naturalized people, American and others residing in Morocco, would be affected thereby. 4 and 5. Residence in foreign parts does not affect the nationality of Moorish subjects, and the Moorish government has no means of protecting its subjects permanently residing in other countries with the exception of a so-called Moorish consul at Gibraltar and a Moorish agent at Cairo, Egypt. I am ETC Hoffman Phillip. Google United States Code Title 22 Chapter 2 Section 141 Consular Courts Act August 1, 1956 Repealed Sections 141 to 143 Effective upon the date which the President determined to be appropriate for the relinquishment of jurisdiction of the United States in Morocco. Jurisdiction of the United States in Morocco was relinquished by memorandum of President Eisenhower dated September 15, 1956. Notice was given to Morocco on October 6, 1956, and all pending cases were disposed of by 1960. See Bulletin of the State Department, Volume 35, colon 909, page 844. Sections 141, R.S. Sections 
same seed. We know that we one of the seeds of Moses. Yeah. So, 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 so you're from. So where are you from again? I was born in I was born in the island Martinique, French island. Mm -hmm. Of course, we are descendants are from Egyptian. 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 Yes. Okay. So over there, they still ref refer to our people as Moors, correct? Yes. So why do you think? over here in America, these same people who are brought from the same land, yes, when we tell them that they're Moors, what, what, why, why do you think that is? Because, why? because the, uh, um, after so many generations, if it's not cast down, you will lose. So therefore, listen good what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. A man that do not know his own identity, when he is giving one, he will simply believe. Mm -hmm. He will simply believe what he's not. You're right. So therefore, you will act as a stranger to your own identity. Because you only believe on somebody after you that, yeah. so you act opposite to truly what you are. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's more pressure because of the economic power? I guess the European have put the laws on, so they just believe. Hey, it's that that's that's what it is. We're we're no we're blacks now. We're blacks. Like, does that make sense? Like, you're just a color. You no, have no that, nationality. No, you that, have no history. That's, that's my point. If you was not stars now, and you have to understand, another to 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 to. I would say not a lie because everybody lies that is a thing of life, but how can I say that is uh, deceive. Mm -hmm. To deceive to deceive one, you have to replace to take one thing out and replace it by another. Yeah. So okay. the blind, so the black is the black. So therefore they just is your black but they don't realize no, just they stole your identity from you. So therefore you might not know who you are. Yeah. So you just give your color black, black. What the yeah. heck is black? Yeah, because what we're trying to tell them, like, a lot of the things that are going on with our people with the injustice is because of the system and what they call themselves and what they recognize themselves. They don't, they don't have any law. They don't, there's no law for, for black people in this country. Like, you're not even supposed to be a part of this country. So, therefore, what nation are you from? You see? But, you, like you said, you know, when you take your history, you know. People will say, well, big deal. So, what, why is history important at all? History is extremely important. Imagine if, if I could take from each one of you as an individual everything you knew about your life up to last week and just erase it. Where would you be? You, you'd be lost. You, you'd be incompetent. You wouldn't know how to plan for the future. And you do the same thing with a people. If you erase their history or you don't tell enough about their past, they also become incompetent and they can't fulfill the future. And that's why a lot of people in the black community have felt, well, how come all the dreams of the civil rights movement aren't yet fulfilled? And one reason is because this history is still suppressed. It still isn't taught. But there's been a recent discovery which is going to blow the lid off of all that. And that's what I'm going to talk about. You've had four of these major impacts that the black people have made to the Americas, not only before Columbus was born, but before even Spain or Italy existed. That's, that's the kind of, of roots that are in this country. And by knowing that, and the more you know about it, it's an empowerment. You're, you're really rude. You have got a heritage which is more than slavery. Sure, there was slavery, but that's not all. That's a small part of it. Long before that, there's a heritage of kings, seafarers, religious missionaries, and they were all here. But it happened so long ago, there's just so little of it left. But some adults have difficulty handling that. What connects it up is even the word more, because it's pronounced differently in different parts of, even of Africa. And they call themselves more, mu, mur. There's all variations of that, so that even the name mur.
individuals are missing the point. What conversation stop it? I'm a mole. And got sense enough to know I'm a mole. And ain't gonna never argue with you that I'm not a mole. And wouldn't come in your house or come among you and say I'm a mole if I didn't feel in my heart, in my mind, in my soul that I am. If you don't understand that, get that together real quick. And recognize how you've been miseducated, not just by Europeans, but by your own. These people know that you're not black. They don't doubt it. They know that you're not black. And they know that you're Moors. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, Evolution Radio. My name is Justin Sterling. I'm an attorney and the founder of the Sterling Firm. Today, we are discussing how to sue the federal government, the Federal Tort Claims Act. If you have been injured by the wrongful or negligent act of a federal employee, such as an employee of the United States Postal Service, National Parks, or Veterans Administrative Hospitals, then the proper recourse is the Federal Tort Claims Act, the waiver of sovereign immunity. From the beginning of American history, sovereign immunity has protected federal and state governments and their employees from being sued without their consent. The Federal Tort Claims Act serves as the statutory waiver of the government's traditional immunity from tort actions. The elements of a cause of action. There are six conditions that must be satisfied in order to impose liability on the United States. One, the claim must be for money damages. Two, the damage claim must be for injury or loss of property or for personal injury or death. Three, the damage must have been caused by a negligent or wrongful act or omission. Four, the wrongful actor must have been a federal employee. Five, the employee must have been acting within the scope and course of employment. And six, the circumstances must be such that if the United States were a private person, liability would be imposed under the law of the place where the wrongful act or omission occurred. The procedural requirements. The Federal Tort Claims Act provides the procedural requirements that must be followed to bring a claim against the United States. Title 28 of the United States Code Section 2675 entitled Disposition by Federal Agency as Prerequisite and Evidence states, an action shall not be instituted upon a claim against the United States for money damages for injury or loss of property or personal injury or death caused by the negligent or wrongful act or omission of an employee of the government while acting within the scope of his office or employment unless the claimant shall have first presented the claim to the appropriate federal agency and his claim shall have been finally denied by the agency in writing and sent by certified or registered mail. The failure of an agency to make final disposition of a claim within six months after it is filed shall, at the option of the claimant, any time thereafter, be deemed a final denial of the claim for purposes of this section. And the action under this section shall not be instituted for any sum in excess of the amount of the claim presented to the federal agency, except 
where the increased amount is based upon newly discovered evidence not reasonably discoverable at the time of presenting the claim to the federal agency or upon allegation and proof of intervening facts relating to the amount of the claim. The administrative claim prerequisite. Pursuant to the Federal Tort Claims Act, the filing of an, an administrative claim with the responsible federal agency and the rejection of the claim by that agency is a prerequisite to filing a lawsuit in federal court. The claim must be filed with the proper government agency that employed the wrongdoer. This process is known as exhausting of administrative remedies. The administrative claim must include the exact amount of money damages that the plaintiff is demanding. In addition, the claim must state sufficient facts about the incident to allow the federal agency to investigate the merits of the claim. The claims are barred unless submitted in writing to the responsible federal agency within two years from the date of the accident. Moreover, if the lawsuit is filed in the federal court before the notice of claims requirement is satisfied, the case will be dismissed. The standard form 9-5 prescribed by the Department of Justice entitled Claim for Damages, Injury, or Death may be used for the filing of a claim against most federal agencies. The sum certain requirement. The claim must be for money damages in a sum certain. Pursuant to Title 28 of the United States Code, Section 2675B, the amount of damages awarded in a lawsuit is limited to the amount stated in the administrative claim. An exception is when an increased amount is based upon newly discovered evidence not reasonably discoverable at the time of presenting the claim. The statute of limitations to file the lawsuit. A federal complaint must be filed within six months after the date of the government's notice of final denial of the claim. The failure of the responsible federal agency to make a final disposition of the claim within six months can be deemed a final denial of the claim and a lawsuit can then be filed in federal court. As a practical note, the six-month statute can run out even though two years from the date of the incident has not yet elapsed. The lawsuit must be filed in the United States District Court where the plaintiff resides or where the incident occurred. The employment relationship. The wrongdoer must be an employee of the federal government. If there is no employer-employee relationship, the plaintiff cannot bring a lawsuit under the Federal Tort Claims Act. An independent contractor hired by the government does not amount to an employer-employee relationship. An employment relationship is required to have government liability. The United States as the defendant. The United States of America is the proper defendant to be named in the complaint. If the plaintiff only names the federal employee individually and files the complaint in state court, the lawsuit will most likely be removed to federal court even though the lawsuit failed to name the federal government. This rule only applies to an employee who committed the negligent act within the course and scope of employment. If the complaint alleges that the act was committed outside the scope of employment, the individual can be sued personally in state court. The limitation of claims. The Federal Tort Claims Act specifically excludes common law claims for which a private person would be liable, including claims for assault, battery, false imprisonment, false arrest, malicious prosecution, abuse of process, libel, slander, misrepresentation, deceit, and interference with contractual rights. If the claimant is injured in any of these particular situations, 
the claimant will not be able to file suit against the government under the Federal Tort Claims Act. In addition, because the jurisdictional grant is for torts arising from a negligent or wrongful act or omission, the Federal Tort Claims Act does not support claims for strict or absolute liability. The Federal Tort Claims Act also excludes several classes of plaintiffs, including one, active duty service members and their families injured incident to service, and two, federal employees injured while performing their duties. In such situations, the Federal Employees Compensation Act, FECA, is the exclusive remedy against the United States. The limitations of remedies, in addition to being limited to the amount stated in the administrative claim, a damages award pursuant to the Federal Tort Claims Act may not include prejudgment interest or punitive damages. Moreover, only money damages are available under the Federal Tort Claims Act. Equitable remedies are not recognized. Attorney fees. Pursuant to Title 28 of the United States Code, Section 2678, the plaintiff's attorney may only charge 20% of any settlement of claim made by a federal administrative agency prior to filing a lawsuit and only 25% of any judgment resulting from litigation. In fact, an attorney who charges more is subject to a penalty or even jail. Also, no additional attorney fees may be charged on appeal.
What do you know? Share it. What is financial education? It's not get a job, work hard, save money, and invest in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. The financial industry is two things, debt and taxes. In 1971, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and the U.S. dollar became debt. And we still tell kids to go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, and get out of debt. Now, who tells them to do that? That's the most ridiculous thing there is. The book starts and it says, lie number one, saving money will make you rich. Yeah, it never will. You know that. All taught that as kids. Why would you save it and why would you work for it if they can print it as faster than you can work for it? Why do you keep saving when they're printing it? Rich don't work for money. Don't you touch that stuff. It's very subtle, right? They don't say, I'm going to train you to be a worker bee the rest of your life, but they educate you in a way where that's what you come out. Right. What else was he, what was he trying to do those first few months where you were working for him? What was he trying to get across to you? Because he taught you the hard way about money. And she says, if you're going to be a successful in your life, you've got to find the best teachers. And a great teacher is somebody who comes from the inside, not the outside. But in school, you don't know if your instructor is for real or not. That's where the fake teacher comes from. I said, I want you to teach me about money. So it was, so why should I teach you? He says, but if I teach you, you work for me for free. And I said, why for free? My dad, my poor dad went nuts. He says, because if I pay you, you think like an employee. Your, brains will, your brain will change. If you learn never to work for money, you'll be a rich man. And this is powerful. Once you give someone a paycheck, their brain turns off. Correct. Because and then the promise of a pension. Right. And job security. Which is kind of a paycheck in disguise. Correct. After you stop working. Give the man a fish, eats for the day, teach him to fish, eats Correct. for a lifetime. And most poor people confuse assets for liabilities. They think their home is an asset, it's actually a liability. Right. An asset is a noun, like a house. Cash flow is a verb. So to understand if it's an asset or liability, it takes a noun plus verb. So if the cash is flowing out of your pocket, it's a liability. If the cash is flowing into your pocket, it's an asset. So I own 7,000 rental properties. Those are assets. Every month, the cash flows in. Whereas many people have the big house on the hill, and the cash is flowing out. They're going broke. Right. It's like a, a frame of mind. The other thing the poor don't understand is the number one expense for most people is taxes. And yet we don't even see it. Isn't that weird? You walk around and you look at the paycheck and say, ah, oh, that doesn't seem right. And you don't realize that the government's got a huge hand in your pocket and you are doing nothing to minimize that. Again, right. this is what's very different about the rich and the poor. The rich don't work for money. It's number one expense is tax. See, there's three kinds of income earned portfolio passive so earned income is if I get a job that's earned income if I'm a doctor or a programmer that's earned income because I'm working for it if I buy us if I buy let's say Apple for ten dollars and I send it for 20 that's uh, portfolio income capital gains yeah but passive income which is cash flow is never taxed and so all these guys are screaming right now in America, tax the rich. I said, good luck. Because most of the guys complaining, they don't know the three kinds of income. 
and the rich don't have jobs anyway. They have assets. And so the average schmo out there, a poor guy, you know, sent the kid to school, they don't learn this. You see, very few people will buy what I do, make a million dollars and pay zero tax. And my rich dad taught me that playing Monopoly. That's how it started, you know, four greenhouses, one red hotel. Or the McDonald's formula, I write about it here. McDonald's, Ray Kroc. Yeah. McDonald's is in the real estate business, so they sell hamburgers, but they buy real estate, so they pay no taxes. You know, this guy Bezos, what, he's $16 billion. How much tax do they pay on that $16 billion? And that's all legal. Anyone can do it. Everybody can do but it. But everyone, most people lack the education. So once you learn how to use debt as money, you can never say, I can't afford it. You see, because the banks will give you. So the banks, after the crash of 2008, the banks gave me $300 million tax-free. When I asked the average guy, I said, can you, why don't you use debt? They can't even get a loan. Because their scores, their FICO scores, I don't know if you have them here, are so bad. The school teachers will never tell you that because they don't know it. My poor dad never knew that. You don't know if something is an asset or a liability until you can say which way the cash flows. So a house, is it an asset or a liability? Well, if it's taking money from your pocket, it's a liability. If it's putting money in your pocket, it's an asset. The U.S. government wants me to provide housing, wants me to provide jobs, wants me to borrow money because that's how money is created through debt, I get huge tax breaks. Everybody can do the same thing if they had the financial education to do it. If people understood the tax code, we'd be more prosperous. But can poverty be passed through genetically? Yes. Because it's some type of way of thinking. It's an attitude. An attitude. It's very simple. When, I, when people ask you, how do I stop it? I just say, never say, I can't afford it. Ask yourself, how can I? The reason I have so much money is because I don't say I can't do it. I just go, how can I do it? And I just go and do it. I make a lot of mistakes, but that's how I learn. How can I? The poor people, like my poor dad, always said I can't afford it. You think I'm made of money? I'm a school teacher. I can't do that. And I picked that up. And my rich dad never said those words. So when I meet poor people, they use the words I can't a lot. So the people that say, I can't afford it, I can't do this, I can't get to college, the rich are evil, you know, I choose not to participate in that. And that's one thing people could change today, could. right now, is that dialogue in their head. Stop saying the word can't. I can't. Right. So how can I? How can I? Especially as in, I can't afford it, how can I afford that? Right. Because that opens them up to looking at it as an investment to a greater future. Right. You know, when I borrowed $300 million, I couldn't do it when, until I went to ask. And I got turned down so many times. I said, you know, and every time I, I show the bank of my financials, and they go, sorry, I said, look, do me a favor. Why did you turn me down? So you tell me. This is out, the numbers are out here. So I said, I get these numbers fixed. Can I come see you again? He goes, sure. So it's called rejection. The same as my wife rejected me for six months. It's just a matter of personal willpower, which is spiritual. Just saying, if they can do it, I can do it. And how can I? How can I? And I think it's you once said, words become flesh. Yep. It was the Bible, too. Intelligence increases through your mistakes, through the ups and downs, through what you've learned. Real estate's real estate. But what I learned made me richer, not the money. 
you don't need money to make money. You know, I think all of us, every human being has that low point in their life. And if they get the message, a new life begins. If they don't get the message, they keep going down. The richer I got was because I didn't need any money. I could use this to make money. But how did I get there is I made a lot of mistakes. People are afraid of making mistakes and all this, fear of failing. It limits them. Nice, nice, so very nice. So many people trapped in the same device. Is that hell? Feeling trapped in a ghetto, is that hell? 
knuckles off with the top down. No intention to stop now. Penthouse with the sky view. I woke up feeling free and I love you. Knuckles off my feet. Take the air I breathe, yeah. I'm free. to the hottest radio network on the planet, Evolution Radio. Uh, do the rich people cringe and say, don't tell them that, Rob? Yes, yes, yes. Don't tell people what, they, what you know. Right. Keep them poor. The moment I pay you, you think like an employee. The moment you accept the paycheck, your brain goes dead. That's the trap. Entrepreneurs work for free. As long as you're hungry, you'll think. The school system was designed to teach you to be an employee or a doctor or a lawyer, a specialist, but never about money. The poor will always be amongst us because it starts up here. It's, it's in their words, you know, and the words become flesh. But when they say, I can't afford it or I can't do that, they go down. They become what they say. And I meet so many people, I, don't, I can't afford it, you think I made of money? My PhD dad, he says, what do you think I am, made of money? I can't afford that. And my rich dad would say, that's why he's poor. Poor people say, I can't afford it, I can't do that, I don't have time. Because this is an escape. It's an escape. You know what I mean? It's easy to say I can't afford it. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I can't go to the gym. You know, when you could go to the gym. No, I can't. Truth is, I'm just too lazy to go to the gym. And your rich dad used to say what instead of I can't afford it? How can I afford it? How can I do that? A question opens a mind, a statement closes the mind. So when you say I can't afford it, your mind shuts down and you become what you say. People right now who are sitting at home who are struggling financially or worried about money or unhappy, they may be making a lot of money, but unhappy with what they're doing. It was probably taught to you. You know, your super ego was taught, get a job, work hard, or you'll you'll never be rich, or the rich are evil, or whatever. Poverty is passed on. It's taught in your families. And middle class is taught in families. And until you change your mindset, Correct. money won't help you, right? Correct. And we see that with people that win the lottery, people that make more money, they still have the same problem. Right. Because they have that poor man's soul. Correct. If you're poor, you'll always be poor. That's really hard for people to understand. Yeah, the money will disappear that fast. Just like most pro athletes, you know, they make 
millions of dollars and what 65% are bankrupt five years later? It's because they come from poor families. But unfortunately, what Mr. Lipton was saying, it's passed down genetically. That's the frightening thing. If you don't want to learn it, I can't help you. You know, I have bad luck too. I've, I've had financial crashes. I've had people stab me in the back. But they're all good because I grow from it. That's spirituality. You know, people who are afraid of making mistakes like they teach in school, they don't ever grow. Because spirituality is there's good and there's bad. There's right and there's wrong. There's up and there's down. Most people only want to be right. They only want to be positive. Well, you can't have that. That's not reality. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe. They haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school. That means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system is actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. But the average guy is standing there, oh, I'm an A student, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this all on myself. And a, and a bunch of rugby players run you over. And you go, well, they're not playing fair. And what, you're, not, you're playing stupid. You should have a team. You should have accountants, attorneys, and bankers, and all that stuff. But that's not the game I want to play. I said, then don't play the game. You know, the, the game of business is played with accountants, attorneys, bankers, hate to say it, politicians. You know, you've got to know the game. You know, people say, well, money is not that important to me. Then if money is not that important to you, money is not important to you. I mean, the, you know what I mean? I don't care about money. The money doesn't care about you. You know, it, the word does become flesh. Or I'll never be rich. Or the favorite one is the rich are greedy. It's the poor that are greedy. You know, if you think about it, because to be rich, you have to give something. You know, you have to, I, I have to produce books and games, and I, I purchase real estate, I provide housing, provide jobs and all that. That's why I'm rich. But greedy people produce nothing. You know, Einstein said, you know, imagination is more important than knowledge, but knowledge empowers imagination. And what most people lack is real business knowledge, like accounting, you know, like debt, like taxes. You gotta know that stuff, but they don't teach it in school to anybody. You see, most teachers in school, they're out of ethics. They teach subjects they, don't, they themselves don't practice because I understand what a fake teacher is. A fake teacher is somebody who just wants a job and they'll teach anything. You know, they teach how to shine shoes and get paid on more money. But they really don't know what they're teaching. In life, one of the things I suggest to people, you've got to find a real teacher versus a fake teacher. And a fake teacher is somebody who doesn't do what they teach. And a real teacher is doing what they teach every day. Our school systems are making our students weaker. So in school, they have these things called now trigger effects. So you can't, as a teacher, you can't say anything that might upset the student. They don't want anything that might jar their point of view. You see, people say, well, why don't you give the poor money? But the only problem with that is it just creates more poor people. Give a man know. a fish, he fishes for the day, or eats for the day. Yeah, you give a man a fish, you get a lot of people who want more fish, you know. But you teach them to fish. We become creatures of our own habits. And until we break the habit, we don't change. Our schools don't teach that.
our schools teach almost the exact opposite of that. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe. They haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school. That means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system is actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. So what I say to young people is you, you find your game. So my game financially is business, number one. Second is real estate. And that's why I pay no taxes. That's why Trump pays no taxes. Legally, it's a combination of business and real estate that gives us an unfair advantage over employees because they don't know what to do. And a lot of people would rather sit in the stands than be in the game. One of the greatest ways to acquire great wealth is playing Monopoly in real life. Four greenhouses, one red hotel. But is that all there is? That's it. Robert, if I can give you uh, some kind of a magic phone and you could make a call to the the 20-year-old Robert Kiyosaki and give that young man a bit of advice. What would you tell him? I would just say keep going. Just do what you have to do. Just you know, live it to the fullest. Which I did. Nothing I ever did made sense. Now, could you imagine quitting a $120,000 a year job for $200 a month to go fight in Vietnam and almost die? It, it didn't make sense, but it was the best decision I made at that time. And I think what most people do is they let their parents or their friends talk them out of life. So afraid of failing. But failing is how we succeed. You look at the, you guys look at guys like Edison and all that. They failed like 10,000, no, 1,014 times before he invented the light bulb. You know, our schools punish you for making mistakes. That's why we have so many people who are so afraid of admitting they make mistakes or afraid of failing. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit JonahBay.com for more remedies. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, the new Evolution Radio Network. Given what most Americans believe, the next statement may be more shocking than any previous. The fact is, the United States is not a country, but a corporation contractually created by the Constitution. Your state is a country, per the law, and your original citizenship is of that country. Our founders instituted themselves to be first and foremost citizens of their respective states. As of 1787, those states already had formed a union, and they created the Constitution for the purpose of perfecting that union in forming a national government. They did not intend that the new nation have any jurisdiction or powers over the states or their citizens that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. They stated this point quite clearly in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. They granted the United States exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square 
as may become the seat of the government of the United States, our District of Columbia, and to exercise authority over all places purchased by the consent of the states. And that is all. The framers further secured the rights of the people with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. In the Ninth, they established that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And in the Tenth, they made clear that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. The only way the federal government can have any jurisdiction beyond these constitutional clauses is by written permission or contract, which leads us to another piece of the puzzle, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, ratified in 1868 following the Civil War. As barbaric as it may sound today, the black slaves prior to the conclusion of the Civil War were legally considered to be property with none of the rights or privileges of free-born people only duties. The money interests took advantage of America's desire to free the slaves and found a way to use the swiftly adopted post-war constitutional amendments to enslave all of the people. The deceit is in the wording of both the 13th and 14th Amendments. You will note that the 13th Amendment provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. But why the emphasis on involuntary servitude? Isn't it the same thing as slavery? Sure it is. But they had to mention the concept of involuntary servitude because they wished to retain another type of slavery, voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is an ancient and established concept. It was the way serfs became subjects to their lords during feudal times in England and other European countries. It was a way for free men to earn a living at a time when all property was held by a select few, and thus anyone who wanted to farm and support their family had first to agree to be subject to a lord of the land. Our forefathers hated this concept and designed our Constitution to exclude titles of nobility, making all Americans sovereign. The 14th Amendment turned the intention of the founders on its ear by making voluntary servitude a requirement for former slaves to gain the rights already guaranteed to free-born United States citizens. When the slaves were released from their involuntary servitude following the war, their status was changed from that of being property to that of being a person, but being a person still entitled them to none of the rights associated with citizenship. So the 14th Amendment ostensibly was written to provide the former slaves with the same constitutional rights of free-born American citizens, but only if they agreed first to become subject to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, making oneself paramountly, that is, first subject to the jurisdiction of the laws of the United States, however, limits access to parts of the Bill of Rights, as we'll explain in a moment. But first remember, Anyone who voluntarily subjects himself to the laws or jurisdiction of another is, in every way, obligated to abide by the terms of any contracts or laws established by whomever establishes the rules of the contract. In simple terms, this meant that the former slaves became subjects first to the United States and secondly to the state in which they lived. 
they had no sovereignty whatsoever. This status had never existed in the United States prior to that time. The 14th Amendment created a new class of citizenship in the United States, a second-class citizenship. Up until 1868, every American was a paramount citizen of their state, and by virtue of that, also a citizen of the United States, with full individual sovereignty as guaranteed by Amendments 9 and 10 in the Bill of Rights. But so-called naturalized citizens, or 14th Amendment citizens, are paramountly subject to all laws of the United States and, having no status as freeborn citizens, have no access at all to the unenumerated rights retained for the people by Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. That's because, in order to get any rights at all, they had to subject themselves to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, which left them no unenumerated rights. The only rights they had were those specifically written into the Constitution. The sad tragedy of America today is that all U.S. citizens, regardless of race, are now 14th Amendment slaves due to contracts with the government of the United States through Social Security, birth certificates, driving licenses, citizenship statements, tax forms, and many other documents. The true paramount citizenship that all Americans deserve is that of their respective state, which is a sovereign citizenship. Such status would exempt them from federal and state income taxes, as well as property and inheritance taxes. This sovereign citizenship was the status held by our forefathers. Now, if you're still thinking that the U.S. government needs to have a central bank and collect income tax or it will collapse, think again. Over two-thirds of the federal government's income is derived from sources other than income tax. There is even evidence suggesting that none of your income tax is used by the government. Fees, excise taxes, tariffs, sales taxes, and other forms of income have easily supported the U.S. budget in the past and could easily support it now. We have done without a national bank for large stretches of our history, and the U.S. Treasury is perfectly capable of printing and managing a money supply. In fact, the only constitutionally sanctioned currency is backed by gold or other precious metals. This is a far more stable form of currency and is the type of money the Treasury was designed to handle. The government was doing so well collecting money under these original laws that it had amassed a huge surplus by the time this cartoon was penned a hundred years later in 1887, when there still was no income tax collected at all. Up to this point, we have shown you how the money interests have, one, established the Federal Reserve System, and two, exploited a second class of citizenship created by the 14th Amendment for other purposes, and we have mentioned a few names involved in the creation of the Fed. But there are other organizations working for our economic enslavement as well along with other extremely rich and powerful international bankers, those who support the Fed have created a global movement to centralize economic power in various puppet organizations that preach peace and stability through some variation of socialism, but act aggressively to draw nations into a web of foreign debt and servitude to their agenda. The United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, and the Council on Foreign Relations are all committed to an agenda of world domination through manipulation 
of economic power. The Council on Foreign Relations openly admits to being a private club, yet it is the primary recruiting post in both international banking and the federal government of the United States. Richard Nixon, Nelson Rockefeller, John Foster Dulles, Dean Rusk, Alger Hiss, Robert S. McNamara, and every president since FDR, with the exception of John Kennedy, have been members of this exclusive club where super financiers and your elected representatives can mix freely and plan the next step in the consolidation of power in a new world order. Designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy. It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus. Evolution, like the dinosaur. Look out that window. You've had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. The future is our time. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place, this 
zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it, I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. If there is such a thing, I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I have somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive. Isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key. My key. There are people that's awake. And there's people asleep. Now, most people on this planet are asleep. So, let's break it to the least common anomaly. Let's say the black community. We, it used to they say 5%. (laughs) No, it's like old point something now. That's right. You see, that's asleep. So you're going to be lonely because the simple fact that people are asleep. Now, how is this? You have a chakra system in your body. And these are nine wheels of consciousness. Most, uh, excuse me, seven wheels of consciousness. There's like 160 chakras, but seven major chakras, just like there's seven African powers. <clears throat> now, what has happened here to give you a scientific element of what's going on so you can clear this up so you don't have to go and be trying to holler at somebody and they laugh at you and they don't want to hear that shit. Because your family will beat you down and niggas in the street will beat you down. You're going to try to give them a message. Now, had you around here crazy. Now, the chakra system, the lowest chakra is your sacral vertebrae. That's your root chakra. And that's where the majority of the people's um, consciousness is, on the root chakra. So the only thing that they can get down with is desires. What feels good, what tastes good, what smells good, what looks good, what sounds good. Yes. You see, the, Lord the basic sen- uh, senses, you see, on that particular level, they are called the automatons, which means automation. Okay. They moving, but they ain't, they're brain dead. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, you don't even get into this particular consciousness that you can partake to understand what things is until you're radiating from the heart chakra. Mm-hmm. You see, the heart chakra. That's why the Egyptian, the heart, the scarab, the heart scarab was the most important. Even when you died, they'd throw the brain away. But it was the heart that they preserved. Because that's another, that's where your true self is. But, you got to radiate from the heart chakra and then you elevate on into the pineal gland. But, most people's consciousness is in the root chakra. On the five senses, the animal level. They can look pretty, they can have a PhD with a degree. They tell you it's only a degree of information. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a degree of information, it has nothing to do with a person's behavior. Mm. Whether they're conscious or not. You see, it has nothing to do with what a person wears. It has something to do is where they incarnated down here on a certain level and they are radiating above the root shock. And I guarantee you this right now. 
even if some of you all just coming into consciousness the last couple of weeks of the last year, I'll guarantee you, you always felt special since you was a baby. Now, I've been asking that question in my lectures around the country for, 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 for 16 years. And I ask everybody, how many of you all always thought that you were special? And the whole room always raised their hand. You didn't know what it was. You see what I'm saying? But you thought it was special. And you always had a thirst for something that you didn't know what it was. And it was this model. Let me give you an example. When I was, on, when I was in college, I was standing up one time. I had finished school. And I was standing um, on the college campus with one of the coaches. We got to be good friends, one of the basketball coaches, Coach Holmes. He said, well, how do you, how do you feel, man? You, you've educ- you educated yourself. I said, man, I don't feel shit. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I said, I told him, I said, I thought when I came here to this university that when I left, I was going to have some kind of knowledge. I didn't know what the knowledge was. All I know is what I went, I went through for four years, I didn't have shit. I, I, I knew I felt empty. Now it was it was you know it was a couple of years later that what I was missing I realized was knowledge. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I but but I knew something was wrong. You see, and that's what it is. You you always thought that you was you, you that, that something was missing, and that's why is that is because you were you, you were gravitating but above the root shock. DipsetUSA.com. Yes. Go to booking at DipsetUSA.com yes. and make it happen if you're a promoter trying to get on. Mm-hmm. We only got about five more dates left. We got like 30 dates to go on the road. I'm very excited to go on the road with these brothers. I haven't been on the road since about 96 or 97. Oh, yeah. Now, I went on a tunnel tour, but I, it was different. My mind was all right. My mind's right this time. New York City, you know what time it is. Yeah. Jim Jones, Killer Cam, Joel Santana, Freaky Deaky. Dipset 2015. Let's yeah. work. We there, bro. I'm all about this moonlight. Yeah. I'm all about this bread. And if I get caught slipping, what? I can end up in the pit. So? Bitch, better have my money. My money. Nigga, better have my money. My money. Bitch, better have my money. My man, baby mom, in the morning, tell him GM. Kiss him on the forehead, take the keys to his BM. And he was going to tell you got the code to his DM. I head on the gram like hashtag free him. I'm biased. But all I got for these hoes is papaya. I done drove every car, no liar. I ain't talking music when I say I did shit with Mariah. Nick wasn't there, nor was Matola. Sitting on the crates, gun in the stroller. I was selling coke, no joke, no cola. Just made a quarter mill off the bowler. What's up? I'm all about this moonlight. I'm all about this bread. And if I get caught slipping, I can end up in the fed. Bitch, better have my money. Better have that. Nigga, better have my money. Better have my Bitch, better have my money. Nigga, better have my money. I got bitches that can chef up with ego. Huh. Dominic Guinea had the best with ego. 
Cause we just trying not to catch the Rico Remember what Mitch had heard from Rico Well niggas die every day, B I'm getting money, getting fly every day, B I pulled up on side the real AZ And I was young when they tried to kill AZ We kept it mom style like whip Auto more styling on the wristwatch Still do holler in my flip flops Summertime hopping out the Rory with the missing top I'm all about this moonlight I'm all about this bread And if I get caught slipping I can end up in the pit Bitch better have my money My money Nigga better have my money Nigga my money Living life big, this that more money shit So no matter what I get, I'm screaming more money, bitch More money coming in, more money spent Smelling like money, that's that more money scent AMG kit, that's that more money bands Knock, knock, open the door, I'm letting more money in She like, what's this more money shit? I'm like, them niggas that you with, I'm getting more money then Pockets full of Chuck E. Cheese I'm under the money tree And I'm just catching all the leaves She just wanna feel a breeze I just wanna on her knees Cold nigga and he freeze I'm all about this moonlight We've been about this motherfucker. I'm all about this bread And if I get close to this I can end up in the pit Bitch better have my money Nigga better have my money Bitch better have my money we out here, man. Ain't too much change with the money, huh? Shout out to Killer the Don, King Jop the Joe, Joel Santana, the Prince of the City. Hey, Freaky, what's up? Iron Man himself, you heard me? <laughs> Don't get scared yet. What up, what up, what up, what up? Peace to the God. Welcome to the show. Yeah, okay, y'all can hear me good. All right, let me calm myself a little bit. There we go. Peace to the God. What's up, what's up? Welcome to the show. You see right here on the bottom line, I'm your host, Joey Bounce, L. Bay. Why not, right? Today is the 22nd. We out here. Sunday. We will be in Chicago. The 28th. This upcoming weekend, we're going to be at... Just a second, I'm going to put it for y'all. Alright, we're going to be at the Chicago Marriott Magnificent Mile Convention Center. Make sure y'all come out. Alright, it's going to be at 540 North Michigan Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60611. Alright, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Jonah Bay and myself will be there. We hope to see you there. You can register at makemorecommerce.com. All right. Sorry, I'm trying to adjust my mic here. I don't have no headphones tonight, so I'm trying to make sure that y'all can hear me okay. So, get in the chat. Just give me a little thumbs up. Very good. So tonight, I got a nice little topic lined up for us tonight. We're going to go into citizenship and political allegiance tonight, right? A very important topic. You know, as we go through really everything that we've been dealing with, 
really important for us to understand what a political allegiance is. You know, as a child, right, you take an allegiance. You pledge allegiance in school, right? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic in which it stands, to one nation under God, indivisible, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, right? So, even as a child, we're taking pleasure. Now, you know, isn't it interesting that nobody ever, nobody ever told you really what this was? Nobody ever really went into detail and said, listen, you're taking a pledge. And here's why. Now, you know what? Oath of Allegiance is very important. Oh, thank you. Now, Oath of Allegiance, let me, let me show you how important it is. You take Oath of Allegiance as a baby, and you don't even know it. You take an Oath of Allegiance. When you're born, right, you come out of your mother, they give you a birth certificate, you become naturalized. Okay? You become naturalized into a foreign state. This is the reason why we don't have just soldiers and just languages here. Now, I'm going to go into some things tonight that you may have never heard. And some things that you may have heard. Now, I'm going to start off with this definition of allegiance. Because allegiance, what is allegiance? What do you pledge your allegiance to? This is very important for you to think about when your gears get to going. When you get to saying to yourself, I don't like where things are and I want to come out of my current situation. Right? You get to saying, okay. What am I beholden to? Because, you see, as a citizen, there's certain privileges that you have that are bestowed upon you. Privileges, not not duty, excuse me, not, not rights, right, but privileges. And then there are certain duties that they expect of you as a citizen. Now, allegiance is a duty of fidelity said to be owed or freely committed by the people, subject or citizen, to their state or their sovereign. Now, let's look at the definition of these words very closely. What is a state? Now, a state is a political, or I should say a policy, that typically establishes a centralized organization. Now, if you don't know what a polity is, this is identifiable as a political entity, a body politic, okay? It's a group of people who have a collective identity. They come together and they say we want to mobilize our resources. This is what they do. Right? So, basically, they're pulling their money together. A group of like-minded individuals. Now, a polity can be the government of a country, a, a subdivision of that country, or a group of people who organize for the government. Now, that's a corporate bond, right? 
That's a that's a structure, if you will. So when we're talking about bonds, right? Understand these governments operate. They're able to operate because they're under a political structure, a corporate structure. Now, who's on that down? Chelsea Tech. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> All right. So, a state is a policy, right? So, there's no undisputed definition of a state. Everybody know what a state is. Each one of y'all live in a different state. Now, your state is a country, right? That's a political body. Now, Webster's definition of a state as a policy maintains a monopoly on the use of violence. Which is widely, you know, it's, it's pretty much, you know, listen, it, there's such thing as propaganda, so we won't go there, okay? Now, some states are sovereign. Now, check this out. All 50 states are under the 14th Amendment. Where is their sovereignty? They technically don't have any. Why? Because they're under the 14th Amendment. Now, what happens is, is you know, just like the guy was saying in the clip earlier, if you you know, if you were here earlier, clip I played, the guy was saying, Listen, if you want to sue the government, you sue the state, more more than likely what happens is they direct you to the, the federal government. Well, a lot of times that happens because niggas don't use the state constitution. Okay? You gotta go back before the state. This polity was in this centralized organization that you call your federal government today. Okay, this is this is really important here. And I got a case that I'm gonna read to y'all tonight. Okay, in this case came across my desk. It's a pretty interesting case. And, and you know, hopefully it's gonna open your eyes a little bit. Because it sure open my eyes, especially when I start doing some research. Okay. Now, let's go back to this word allegiance. Because allegiance is a duty, right? Fidelity. Uh, it, it, it is something that is bestowed upon a national or a citizen or a subject of whatever state they may be in. You see? Now, the etymology of the word state, excuse me, allegiance. The word I-L, A-L, the prefix, right? It is Latin for legion. Okay. Okay. And allegiance is formed from liege, which is old French, which means to bind. Right. Now, check this out. Your allegiance is very important because as you're going to see in this case we're going to pull this up I'm going to show y'all some laws as well that directly deal with this okay we're going to try to get into this right so check this out this particular case that that I have here and, and you want to welcome pull it up seventeen ninety six okay the superior court Prudent versus Neil. 
Now, in this particular case, now I want y'all to note the year, okay? 1796, okay? And, you know, when he brought the case, which was in 1777, there were some other pretty important things going on at this time, okay? And I want y'all to take note of that, okay? Now, the plaintiff sued on a bond, okay? And the plea, which was founded on the 101st section of the Act of 1777, stated in substance that the plaintiff had removed from the state to avoid assisting in the war of the revolution, that he had attached himself to the enemy, He held that if the plaintiff was a citizen of the country, of this country, the 101st section before referred to is repealed as to him by several acts of the state legislature. And if he was not a citizen but a British subject, then by the fourth article of the Treaty of Peace and Friendship, he's considered an alien, friend, and entitled to sue in our court. Okay. Now, the plea in substance stated that the plaintiff, okay, in the year 1777, removed himself from the state to avoid giving his assistance in the war. Okay, y'all need to really think about what war was happening there, okay, because we're talking about, what we're talking about is our ancestors here, okay? Now, carried on against the king of Great Britain and attached himself to the enemy, etc., and the plea concluded with praying judgment, whether he should be answered, etc., Okay, now, this was a demur and a joinder. Now, the counsel for the plaintiff, it would not be denied, and is admitted by the pleadings, that the plaintiff previous to the revolution resided in this country. And after the establishment of the present form of government, he can be considered but in one of these two lights as one who refused to become a member of the new government, continuing his allegiance, to the king of Great Britain, or as a citizen. When a change of government takes place from a monarchical to a republican government, the old form is dissolved. Those who lived under it and did not choose to become members of the new government had a right to refuse their allegiance to it and retire elsewhere. By being part of the society subject to the old government, they had not entered into any engagement to become subject to any new form of majority. That might seem proper to adopt it. Okay. Now, the title majority shall prevail is a rule of posterior, the formation of government and results from it. It is not the rule uh, binding upon mankind in their natural state. And there, every man is independent of all laws except those prescribed by nature. And he is not bound by any institutions formed by his fellow man without his consent. And under plaintiffs, here is not stated by the plea to have ever become a citizen or a member of North Carolina. And the fact is that he never was a citizen. Had that been stated, we should have replied to it. As he still remained subject of the great of King of Great Britain, then although the intervention of the war suspended his right to commence an action in our courts, that was but a temporary obstacle, ceasing with the war which caused it. His right revived when the war ended. The clause upon which this plea is formed is the 101st section of, the, of 1777 of the Peace and Friendship, provided that no person who, who has taken, taken, excuse me, shall take part with the enemies of America or who have shall refuse when lawfully required to take, take the oath of allegiance 
and adjudication required by all laws of the state or who has shall remove from the state or any of the United States to avoid giving their assistance in repelling the invasions of the common enemy or who have shall reside or be under the dominion of the enemies of America or then uh, such are detained as prisoners of war nor any person claiming by assignment representation or otherwise by or under such person shall have the right to receive any benefit of this act but all rights commencing real prosecution in suits or suits action or actions real personal or mixed shall be and is hereby suspended and shall be remain suspended until the legislature shall make further provision relative thereto this is but a declaration of the legislature so far as regarded excuse me as regarded british subjects and what the law of nations was, it was intended to operate no longer than the law of nations would have operated to the exclusion of the plaintiff from our courts during the continuance of the war. The clause says the plaintiff has the right uh, and shall be suspended until the legislature shall make further provisions uh, relative thereto. Now, I want you to check this out, okay? This guy decided that he was a more, by the way, okay? He made the decision that he didn't want to participate in the war that was happening. Okay. He was he was a British subject, but he was a Moor. So he was part of you could call it the crown back then, but I don't know if you know, it's probably not the proper title, but that's what it was essentially, right? So he decided, you know, that he didn't want to be part of that shit and they tried to bring him into court for that. Right? And then, you know, they tried to say, Listen, you, you you've been here, you domiciled here, so you're a citizen of North Carolina. So he says, no, I'm not. I'm not a citizen of North Carolina. And as a matter of fact, uh, I'm with I'm with the Brits, and uh, I'm a subject, and, you know, the war is over. And there's, then there's the Treaty of Peace and Friendship, so he used that. Okay. And so what we have to understand is this is in 1777. Now, now, because I, because I know that y'all with me right now, and I, and I just read a lot of shit for y'all. I'm going to go to 1777. We're going to take a look at that. Just a second. Let me pull it up for y'all. Here we go. Now, between, just a second, let me pull this up here. 1787. So, So we're talking about and actually, you got to understand that a lot of these treaties was going on before then. But let me pull this up, okay? All right, here we go. The Treaty of Peace and Friendship. Okay? The treaty was sealed at Morocco, okay, with the seal of the emperor on June 23rd, 1786, right? And delivered on Thomas Barclay, American agent, on June 28th, 1786, okay? Now, I want you to understand that there were treaties... They were happening throughout the whole entire amount of the war. Uh, you can go get the brother's book, um, Abdullah, the brother Abdullah's book, right? And he goes into this information. And, and this is, you know, we're talking about our brothers overseas, right? These these brothers over there had a lot of the same issues, right? So now check this. The treaty was sealed in Morocco and was the seal of the emperor of Morocco. Now, let's just read it. It says, To all persons whom these presidents shall come will be made known, whereas the United States of America and Congress assembled by the commission bearing the date 
12th day of May, 1784, through the proper constitutions of John Adams, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, blah, 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 blah. Right? Now, let's skip down. And, the, and, and to be honest with you, this is written in Arabic. So if you have the Arabic version, you understand Arabic, that's how you really want to read it. Yeah, number one. This is the Treaty of Peace and Friendship established between the United States of America, which is confirmed, and which we have ordered to be written in this book and sealed in our royal seal in the court of Morocco on the 12th, 5th day of the blessed month of Shaban, in the 1,000 years, two, excuse me, in the year 1,200, trusting in God it will remain permanent. Number one, we declare that both parties have agreed that this treaty consisting of 12 five articles shall be inserted in this book and delivered to the Honorable Thomas Barclay, the agent of the United States now at the court, with whose appropriation has been made and who is duly authorized on their part to treat us with concerning all matters contained therein. Number two, if either of these parties shall be at war with any nation whatever, the other parties shall not take commission from the enemy nor fight under their colors. Number three. If either of the parties shall be at war with any nation, whatever, and take prize belonging to that nation, there shall be found on the boards of subjects or effects belonging to either of those parties. Those subjects shall be set at liberty, and the effects return to the owners. Now, check this, right? If you're a Moor, and I've said this before, and I'll read the law when I finish this, you have the ability to set people at liberty because of what your status is, if that's what your status is. If that's how you roll. So, you have to understand that there's a certain jurisdiction that you operate in, right? Under these trees. Most people never know how to invoke a tree. Now, if either of the parties shall be, at, and I'll read it again. If either of the parties shall be at war with any nation, whatever, and take prize belonging to that nation, the prize is uh, you, your body, okay? This shall be found on board subject or effects belonging to either of those parties. The subject shall be set at liberty and the effects returned to the owners. Now, you can be. And check this out, right? Because you're, if, if you're the prize, you're the subject. And if any goods belong to any nation or whom, whom either of those parties shall be at war, shall be loaded on vessels belonging to those parties and shall pass free and unmolested without any attempt being made to take or detain them. Okay? Number four. A signal or pass shall be given to all vessels belonging to both parties by which there are to be known when they meet at sea, right? This is why you have seaports. Number five, if either of the parties shall be at war and meet at the vessel of the sea belonging to the other, it is agreed that if the examination is to be made, it shall be done and sent by both. Number six, if any more shall bring citizens of the United States of their effects to his majesty, the citizens shall immediately be set at liberty and the effects restored. And then in the like manner, if any more, which is not a subject of these dominions, shall make prize of any of the citizens of the America or their effects and bring them into the ports of his majesty, they shall be immediately released, and then they will be considered as under his majesty's protection. 
All right. Oh yeah, if if you had a product or order, don't worry, I'm gonna be sending stuff out right after I get off the show tonight. All right. I know some people are waiting. <clears throat> now he took number eight out of here for whatever reason. All right, so I'll go to the next one. Number nine. If any vessel in the United States shall be cast on shore as part of our coast. Uh oh, hold on. Just a second, y'all. All right. All right. Now, I apologize. If any vessel of either party shall be shall have the engagement with the vessel belonging to any of the Christian powers with gunshot of the force of the other, the vessel shall go engaged and shall be defended and protected as much as possible until she is in safety. And if any of the American vessels shall be cast on shore on the coast of Wadun or the coast of thereabout, the people belonging to hers her coast shall be protected. See, they did all of this protection shit up and down the coast for a reason. Okay? These were all of the dominions. Now, you notice how they mentioned the Moors in here, right? And you know, the Moors, we're talking about the Barbary powers here. Okay? But let me keep going. Merchants, merchants, shall not be compelled or buy, sell any kind of goods but such as they sell, think proper, and may buy or sell merchandise prohibited to other Christian nations. Okay, and let's just skip down a little bit. Number 20, if any citizens of the United States or persons under their protection shall have disputes with each other, the consul shall have decided between the parties. Hope you heard that. The consul. And whenever the consul shall require any aid or assistance from our government to enforce his decisions, it should be immediately granted to him. How come you don't know who your consul is? Number 21. If a citizen of the of the United States, right now, let's just get this out of the way. These so-called citizens, who are these people? Y'all know? Because if you're more, who are the citizens? Question. 21, 21, 21. If a citizen of the United States should kill or wound a Moor, or on the contrary, if a Moor shall kill or wound a citizen of the United States, the law of the country shall take place and equal justice shall be rendered. The consul assisting at the trial, and, and they spelled this T-R-Y-A-L for whatever reason, and, and if any delinquent shall make his escape, the consul shall not be answerable for him in any manner, whatever. That's number 22. If an American citizen shall die in our country and will no, and, excuse me, no will shall appear, the consul shall take possessions of his effects. That's just all about the consul, right? Now, let me skip to another document because I want to tie some shit in for y'all here. And I didn't read a lot of this case. The reason why I didn't read a lot of that guy's case is because not, not much else matters, to be honest with you, in that case. Right? He had a right to refuse allegiance. Okay? Think about that. You know, this guy had a right to refuse allegiance. He didn't become part of the old government. They were trying to make him a citizen. Now, 
they expressly told him, and I'll read this to you again. It says that he is not bound by any institution formed by his fellow men without his consent. The plaintiff here is not stated by the plea ever to have become a citizen or a member of North Carolina. And the fact is that he was never a citizen. And had the fact been stated, we should have replied to it. See, they know. They've been knowing. They've been, we've been dealing with this issue since the 1700s. Literally. Okay. Now I'm going to read this to you. This is the rights of protection in Morocco. Okay. And this is done almost 100 years later. Okay. It says, His Excellency, the President of the United States, his Majesty, the Emperor of Germany, King of Prussia, His Majesty, the Emperor of Austria, King of Hungary, His Majesty, His Majesty, Majesty, that word. <laughs> the King of Belgium, right, a bunch of other kings, right, having recognized the necessity of establishing on fixed uniform basis the exercise of the right of protection in Morocco and of settling certain questions connected therewith, we have appointed as their plenty potentiaries at the, com- the conference assembled for that purpose at Madrid. Now, His Excellency, the President of the United States of America, General Lucius Fairchild, Envoy Extraordinary and Minister of the United States, but, all right, now let me skip down. So they, they glow right now. Let's get down. Here we go. Number one, Article one, the conditions under which the protection may be Conceded are those established in the British and Spanish treaties. Now, I want you to understand why they were trying to give this guy a pass, right? Because if you're going to charge him for not going to war, the same shit that they did to Muhammad Ali, right? He could have avoided jail. Muhammad Ali could have avoided jail, right? Um, a lot of our good brothers could have avoided jail. Like when I did the case about our brother Jewels. He could have avoided jail had he known this information, right? So a lot of people can avoid prison when they know this information because what happens is, right, with this information, or, or at least you you can – I don't even want to call it escape, right, because it's not escape, right? This is using the laws that are here to protect you. But these laws are here to protect you, and most people never use them. So what happens is because we refuse to use them, they don't give us the protection in Morocco, especially if you're not a citizen. This is why they make a distinction in these treaties and these old laws. Okay. Now, Article 1, the conditions under which protection may be conceded are those established in the British and Spanish treaties with the government of Morocco and the convention made between that government, France, and other powers in 1863 with the modification introduced by the present convention. Okay, I apologize. I was getting a message. Article 2. Foreign representatives at the head of the legion may select their interpreters and employees from the subjects of Morocco or others, these protected persons shall be subject to no duty, impulse, or tax whatsoever. Okay. Now, check this out. You know what's interesting about impulse tax, right? 
is that most of us, <laughs> most of us are still paying tax, but it's telling you right here. Are you, I mean, like, are you a member of a tribe? You know, most members of tribes have chiefs. They have heads, heads of state. I'm just going to let that linger for a second. Let's not think about that one. Okay. Now, let's keep going. Number three, consuls. Let's go with the consuls again. Vice consuls and consular agents having charge of a post and residing within the territory of a sultan of Morocco shall be allowed to select one interpreter, one soldier, and two servants from among the subjects of the sultan, unless they may require a native secretary. These protected persons shall in like and manner be subject to no duty and post tax whatsoever or those stipulated in Articles 12 and 13. So you really even supposed to have protection around you, depending on who you are. Article 4. If a representative shall appoint a subject of the sultan to the office of the consular agent in a town or on the coast, such agent shall be respected and honored. And the members of his family occupying the same dwelling with him and they, the like, are subject to no duty imposed tax whatsoever in those stipulated in Articles 12 and 13. But, she, but he should not have the right of protection uh, of any subject of the Sultan other than the members of his own family. Okay? So this goes right back to what I was telling you. Who, who's protection? Political allegiance. This is about allegiance here. Article 5. <clears throat> the government of Morocco recognizes the right of ministers okay, and representatives. Take note of that. Which is granted to them by treaty to select the persons whom they employ. Either in their own service or that of their government, unless such persons shall be sheep or other employees of the government of Morocco, such as soldiers in the line or, or cavalry, which is basically, you know, your military, okay? In addition with uh, Mahadnazir, and that's spelled M-A-G-H-A-Z-N-I-A-S. Right, those, are, those are basically armed guards. Okay. Now, in the like manner, they shall be permitted to employ any subject of Morocco who is under protection, excuse me, prosecution. It is understood that the civil suits commended or commenced before protection shall be terminated before the courts, which have instituted such proceedings. The execution of the sentence shall suffer no hindrance. Nevertheless, the local authorities of Morocco shall take care to communicate without delay the sentence pronounced. What do you think they do to y'all when y'all go in there and challenge shit? Tell them I'm a more. This is, this is what happens. You fall under this jurisdiction. Now, <clears throat> as to those persons formally protected, it's like, no, formally protected, those are your U.S. citizens, okay, who may have a suit which was commenced before protection, which was, was you know, withdrawn from them, their case shall be tried and the court before it shall be brought. 
Now, check this, right? And I think that this is really interesting for us to know. What these people do is play on words. Okay. They have a, a word play here. So the protection, and what they're telling you is that if you don't take allegiance like you're supposed to, well, then guess what happens? You go back to the old court. You go back to the old jurisdiction. See, a lot of people are missing this in their cases. I, I would, I would not miss this in my case. Who's your oath of allegiance to? I just had to, you know, I I wanted that to sink in. Who is your oath of allegiance to? Right. Now, understand that if you're under the protection of Morocco, your family is also protected. Protection shall extend to the family of the person protected. His dwelling shall also be respected. It's understood that the family is to consist of the wife, the children, and the minor. Okay, this is Article 6. I'll read it to you again. Protection shall extend to the family of the person protected. His dwelling shall be respected. It is understood that the family is to consist of the wife, the children, and the minor's relative dwelling under the same roof. Protection shall not be hereditary. A single exception, which was established by the Convention of 1863, but which is not to create a precedent, shall be maintained in favor of and I'm not going to say their name because we don't know who they are, but it's a family out there. Nevertheless, if the Sultan of Morocco shall grant another exception, each of the contracting powers shall be entitled to claim a similar concession. Now, and, and you know, I've, people have asked me this before, right? Do you really think they're going to give people protection who haven't properly done the work to to go up under this protection? This should take work. Takes understanding what this is. Right? That's why I'm reading it. Maybe you'll go back and listen to it again and it'll connect the dots if you didn't fully get it this time. Okay. Number eight. Consular officers, and here we go again, shall transmit each year to the authorities of the district in which they reside a list bearing their seal of the persons protected by them. These authorities shall transmit it to the Minister of Foreign Affairs. And if it not be comfortable to the regulations, the representatives at Tangier may be informed of the fact. A consular officer may be required to give immediate information of any changes that may have taken place among the persons protected by his consulate. See, see, niggas be out here playing with this information, bro. Let me tell y'all something, bro. The one thing you can't do with this information is play with it. You know, you can't take it for granted. You can't play with it. You know, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm one person here to give y'all this information. There's a lot of people out here that will give you this information. Take it all in. 
but make sure you read the laws. Make sure you understand the difference between the bullshit and the real shit. I like the song here. I can smell it in the air, though. When niggas coming with the bullshit, right? So make sure that you are really diving into this information. Here's the next one. Uh, well, yeah, article Article 9 okay. Servants, farmers or Other native employees Of native secretaries And interpreters Shall not enjoy protection The same shall be used in the case Of Moorish employees or servants of foreign subjects Nevertheless the local authorities shall not arrest an employee or a servant of a native officer in the service of a, a legion or a consulate or a foreign subject to protect the person without having notified the authority upon which he is dependent. Now, you know, the reason why I keep mentioning the consulate here because, it's, you know, this is really important information. And when you're doing these processes, who do you think your passport goes through? Who do you think? Recognizes you as who you are, right? On that level, you got to deal with foreign affairs. You got to deal with the people who who are under the treaties. The people who now sit in the seat of your government, who are acting as the trustees. This is their job. So I'm, you know, I'm showing you these things in these articles because these articles directly tie in to why this guy got off, to why the the, the dude who who uh, Abraham Lincoln's case, you know, when he came forth and he said, oh, I'm not a Negro, I'm a Moor. He got off and won his case, turned around, and did a countersuit. Okay. Now. Service farmers and other native employees of native secretaries and interpreters shall not enjoy the protection. The same shall be the case with the Moorish employees or servants or subjects. Nevertheless, the local authorities shall not arrest an employee or a servant of a native officer in the service of a consulate. They don't even want to arrest nobody. They're not supposed to technically arrest nobody in front of you either. Now, if a subject of Morocco in the service of foreign subjects shall kill or wound any person or violate his domicile, he shall be arrested immediately, but the diplomatic or consular authority under which he shall be is under shall be notified without delay. Most of y'all who've done your process correctly, when you do it correctly, or if you're planning on doing doing it correctly, you have to ask for a consular. All right, we're gonna take a real quick break, and because I gotta pee, <laughs> I gotta take a, I gotta take a real quick bathroom break, and we'll be right back because I'm gonna drop some more info on y'all. All right, don't go anywhere. Keep it locked. Big fat, big fat, big fat. You win about it, the road. 
it. I'm so straight, she mad at you. So she come fuck me, forget back. Uh, uh. Next time you bring me up, just make sure you stay big fat. Tell the truth. Big fat, 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 big fat. Tryna shatter me with lies. I ain't with that. Tell the truth. Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat. Real big facts. Why they mad? Cause I'm on fire and they ain't lit yet. What's that? What's that? And it's big fat. Big fat, big red. Big fat, big fat. Back in big set. Got a big, big bag. Help in big ass. Get back splat. I'm on it strong. What's that? What's that? Muscle sit pack. Uh, strong. They want my spot and don't deserve it. Can't forget that. Who you hitting it? How you miss it? I was the freshest nigga in the party. Louis V down, shades by Bagari. Whole out of body going up a car. See you on no speak, I'm coming like I'm Cardi. I'll expose you niggas and bitches. I'm back in that mode and thing. You niggas is getting too big for your britches. You need some new clothes and things. Why everybody hit money bag? This the topic, nigga. AP on me, cost a bag. Water faucet, nigga. Never ever did some sucker shit like pay to take a nigga off a show. She a green like she a goat. Mac on the fucking dust hole. Any else? About what? Well, I got big fat. Big fat, big fat. You went about it the wrong way, so we can't fix it. I'm so straight, she mad at you. So she come fuck me, forget back. Uh, uh. Next time you bring me up, just make sure you stay big fat. Tell the truth. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Tryna shatter me with lies. I ain't with that. Tell the truth. Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, real big fat. Why they mad? Cause I'm on fire and they ain't lit yet. What's that, what's that? And it's big fat, big one. Here goes some more education. Here goes some more speculation. Here go. I took the money, went by me some guns. The light the bitch up like it's Vegas. Keyboard killer, tough on Twitter. Making posts, giving statements. Niggas full of guns, PlayStation. Can't kill me, I'm a chaser. Yeah, go fed, Mason. Federal. Lock like dreads, Haitian. Haitian. You want my place? Take it, take it. Get here with the drum, Kaden. You ain't my partner, nigga. On the hang around, I'm a solid nigga. They say they won't smoke, but when you see them, they none toxic, nigga. Ain't no pimp, but get your hoe. Before I knock a nigga. These little hitters wanna shoot through a movie. Album, drop a nigga. Draco, Draco, hit him, it goes flat. Turn him in a play, don't lay on flat. Drippin' in the outing with the hat. Riding with it on me, never let any else. About what? Well, I got big fat. Big fat, big fat. You went about it the wrong way, so we can't fix it. I'm so straight, she mad at you. So she come fuck me, forget back. Next time you bring me up, just make sure you stay big fat. Tell the truth. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Tryna shatter me with lies. I ain't with that. Tell the truth. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat. Real big fat. Why they mad? Cause I'm on fire and they ain't lit yet. What's that? What's that? And it's big fat. Big one. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. You going? First of all, you're going to have to stick to your passions. You're going to have to be true to yourself. Number two, you got to stop thinking of yourself as humans. You got to start thinking of yourself as advanced entities. See, the brain or the archetype of the collective consciousness only gives you what you think yourself it is. If you think of yourself just being a motherfucker walking around here just trying to get along and just trying to make it, then that's all you are, cattle. But if you think of yourself as though immortal being that is prophesizing for the return, then your brain will Send that signal to the higher you, and the higher you will produce the armor around you, although it is invisible, it protects you. See what I'm saying? I'm not going to put this on the table again. Yeah, let me hear you, Facebook. 
Like I said, so you get this on the tape. If you said that you are a normal open from Mistoke, walking around here, you a cow, you are property of the United States government under the three fifths of a human being act, and they can do what the fuck they want to do with you. Right. As as you've always been. But if you send signals to your higher God self that you are an advanced entity, come back to change this mess, then your body will grow the armor all around you. And let you know what I'm telling you about. They produced a movie this summer called Spawn. Anybody saw it? You need to go get it. Because in the movie, when the guy came, he said, listen. He said, you've been using your power when you get mad. That's how we do. We get help happening. He said, but you need to start cultivating your energy and knowing who you are. He said, because your, your taste is a body of armor, and your suit is a body of armor. We're talking about your melanin. And the more and more you think, the melanin is only set up for you to think on an advanced, immortal level. The superhero. The hero comes from what the god Heru. And who is Heru? You are the Heru. How the hell do you think they make these things? So when you start thinking of yourself as an advanced, superhero level or superhero hero level, then your melanin produces the type of chemical structure or the type of spiritual or etheric structure that is conducive to what the fuck you thinking. Alright. Okay. It's a process in a brain computer. What is that? A melanin is a brain computer that produces what you think. But if you it can't produce so much stuff on the Lower level because the melanin is higher than that level. It only produces when you break it to a higher level and start thinking in a higher level that it produces that. That's why the white boy didn't even know that who ain't already got no melanin. They teach their children, maybe in all the Star Wars and the superheroes and the superhero that and the comic books and all that shit. What you perceive yourself is what you are. So you got to stop perceiving yourself as just an everyday Negro. And start perceiving yourself as sons and daughters of God. Now, ain't no way in hell no sons and daughters of God will be walking around this motherfucker talking about both. You're supposed to be ruling God's systems and universes. So, therefore, you got to start programming the melanin, which is the actual way you program the actual alchemy process. It's thought. The physical is an illusion. It doesn't exist. So, you have to program through thought. Y'all getting it? Let's go on. Let's go on. Let's see. A few other things here. What time is it? Huh? Tune in. Okay. Let's, 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 let's deal with this right now. We're going to come back. We're going to come back tomorrow. Let's deal with this.
to the forms prescribed by the laws of that country. Now, we're talking about each particular country has a different law. But you got to be under these treaties for certain things to apply to you as well. Now, any question that may arise concerning this right shall be in according with the laws and the privileges of appeal to the Minister of Foreign Affairs. It's very, very important right there. See, the Minister of Foreign Affairs is who's dealing with your treaties. That's on the federal level, once again. Okay. Article 12. Foreigners and protected persons who are the owners or tenants of cultivated land, as well as brokers engaged in agriculture, shall pay for the agricultural tax. Okay. Now, what's interesting is that, you know, the tax, really the tax is supposed to always be way for you. Okay. 13. Foreign protected persons and brokers owning beef, right, which is cows and shit like that, right, those are also supposed to be taxes. So, any of my brothers out there who have farms, this applies to you. A lot of us don't have farms. We don't even have our own land. A lot of us don't own any land. So, you have to ask yourself the question. If there is allegiance, if you take political allegiance, right, and as a foreigner, you're protected, because a lot of y'all get out land. Where's your political protection? They snatch a lot of shit in foreclosure. Behind in the taxes, are you? What does it say about taxes? See, foreign persons are protected. Now, any subjects of Morocco who's been naturalized in a foreign country who shall return to Morocco okay, shall have, after leaving, remain for a length of time equal to that protection, shall have been regularly necessary for him to obtain such naturalization. He shall choose between entire submission to the laws of the empire, which means that you go back. Under Morocco, right? you deal with those laws in that jurisdiction, or you have the obligation to quit Morocco. Okay, and then what happens is you go under naturalization as a foreign entity, a foreign subject, right? So this goes back to what I was reading earlier. Let me let me just go back to it real quick. Now, let me read this here. This is coming from Citizenship Expatriation and Abroad. It says, an American citizen is going abroad is entitled to protection of the government against unlawful molestation of his personal property. The protection has always been in accord with the naturalized citizens equally with native citizens, except that there was the fluctuation in the practice of protecting naturalized citizens upon their return into the country or of their origin. Okay. Now, it wasn't until the Act of July 27, 1868, the 15th Statute at Large, 223, that forbade any discrimination, which in, in 1868, now, 
let me hold on. Just let's stop right there. And let me pull this up. Okay, because we have the Civil Rights Act of eighteen sixty six, which is two years prior, okay, which shows you that you don't need the fourteenth amendment. Because it laid out right there who you were, what your protections were. So under the citizenship and expatriation, right, they're letting you know right now that uh foreign naturalization is what puts you up under their government. Okay. This is what the the allegiance in itself. Now let me Let me pull it up again. Allegiance. Allegiance is a duty of fidelity. Said to be owed or freely committed. Once again, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic. So, if you pl- if that's what the pledge is, and they tell you to be that in order to be naturalized into a foreign state, you have to have taken a pledge. At what point did you take that pledge? In school, in public school? Now, when they taught you a subject, when they taught you how to be a subject, now, what's the subject? Because under a subject, uh, now remember the case I was reading earlier tonight, what happened with that brother? It wasn't, you know, if we think about his case. He, he comes forth and says, listen, I'm not a citizen. I'm not part of North Carolina. I ain't none of that. I'm, I'm, I'm a British subject. Now, a British subject, let's look up what a British subject is. So let me just pull that up real quick. This is a member of a class of British nationality, largely granted under limited circumstances to people connected with Ireland or British India. The term itself is historically and has had several meanings, but is currently referred to a nationality, which was created to accommodate individuals who held a status previously called subject without citizenship. Individuals, now you know what that is, right? If you don't have citizenship and you don't have a nationality, what do you consider? Okay. Know what that word is. I'm trying to think of this. Except for my goddamn son, too. I was going to give it to y'all, too. <laughs> Shit. It's, um... Uh, what's the damn word? Um... Statements. There we go. Your statements. Okay? So, this term came from niggas that was statements. So, this term subject, right? This is why this is why they missed his brother off because they understood that if he was a a subject of the British Crown at that point in time, in 1777, they understood that he was under the Barbary powers, he was under the treaties, he was under all of those things that would exempt him because he was a Moor. So they say, oh, yeah, man, you know what? You should have just told us you wasn't a North Carolina citizen, bro. You should have just told us that, you know what I'm saying, you 
he wasn't down with all of this. And you should have just told us who you was. So he came forth and says, I'm a British subject. So then they say, okay, well, we'll give you that. That's, that's your nationality, huh? But under that class and those treaties, he's a Moor. They set him at liberty. Individuals with this nationality are British nationals and Commonwealth citizens, but not British citizens. The status does not automatically grant the holder the right of the abode in the United Kingdom, but most subjects have this entitlement. Nationals of this class without the right of abode are subject to immigration control when entering the UK. Subjects without the right of abode in the UK who hold no nationality or effectively stateless, what I tell you, and are not guaranteed the right to enter the country in which they are nationals. It makes you stateless. This is the reason, listen, if you're a U.S. citizen, you are effectively stateless. Which means, and let, let, let me pull it up for you in case you don't know. In international law, a stateless person is someone who's not considered a national by any state under the operation of this law. Some stateless persons are refugees. However, not all refugees are stateless. And many persons, why are, why are not all refugees stateless? Because they became U.S. citizens or they became citizens wherever they flew to, right? A fleet, fleet. They, 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 they was under attack. So they became stateless. People in New Orleans, when Hurricane Katrina came, and they had to go from one state to the next, they became stateless in a sense. They were no longer native or domiciled in their native country of, of Louisiana. They had to go to uh, Georgia, Florida, or somewhere else. Do you know that 12 million people are stateless in the world right now? A little bit more than real. That was just back in what, 2018 when they did that, though. So when we talk about being stateless and your allegiance, under these laws, you have to have a nationality. You have to have an allegiance. Right? So even if you're, if you're a subject of Morocco, it's your nationality. Now, like I told you before, the number of persons protected, right? So let's say that you get your nationality done. And I'll read it again for you. Here it is. Is that person protected shall extend to the family of the person protected. His dwelling place shall be respected. It is understood that the family is to consist of the wife, the children, and the minor relatives dwelling under the same roof. The protection shall not be hereditary. A single exception, which was established by the Convention of 1863, was not to create a precedent, but to maintain in favor we won't name their family. Nevertheless, if the Sultan of Morocco shall grant another exception, each of the contracting powers shall be entitled to claim a similar concession. Everybody in your house supposed to be protected. You rolling with somebody, y'all out, something happened. You supposed to be protected, and so is people rolling with you.
Now let me read this to you. Article 16. No irregular, unofficial protection shall be granted in future. The authorities in Morocco will recognize no protection of any kind, whatever. Say such is expressly provided for this in the convention. Now, why won't they do that? Because if you've left, if you've voluntarily have left Morocco, and, I'll, and here it is, any subject who's been naturalized in a foreign country shall return to Morocco. Okay? So if, if your statement says you're a U.S. citizen or you're one of them titles, you, you resident, whatever the fuck you, you know, you, you're not who you're supposed to be. What happens you become stateless And then If you're subject to Morocco Which means that You know who you are But you were naturalized In a foreign country What's, what's that foreign country? State of State of Iowa State of Minnesota or, or, yeah, yeah Minnesota Whatever State of uh, Indiana State of Kansas State of Missouri State of California State of Georgia Those are your foreign states Nevertheless Authorities in Morocco will recognize no protection of any kind, whatever, and the exercise of the customary right of protection shall be reversed, or excuse me, reserved, for those cases in which it may be desired to reward the signal services rendered by the natives of Morocco. They're not going to give you the protection that you want unless you take an allegiance. I should have just called this show the allegiance tonight. That's all it is. Now, I'm going to show you this. Let me pull it up. Hello. Okay. All right, let me pull it up here. We're going to go to 59th Congress. This is a congressional record here. Session 2, 1907. Being enacted That the Senate and the House of Representatives Of the United States of America And Congress Congress assembled That the Secretary of State Shall be authorized in his discretion To issue passports To persons not citizens Of the United States Where any person Has made a declaration of intention To become a national or a citizen To provide by law And has resided in the United States for three years A passport may be issued to him entitled to the protection of the government in any foreign country, provided that such passports shall not be valid for more than six months and shall not be renewed, and that such passports shall not be entitled to the holder to the protection of this government in the country in which he was a citizen prior to make such declarations of intention. Section 2, expatriation. That any American citizen shall be deemed to have expatriated himself when he was naturalized when he has been naturalized in any foreign state in conformity with its laws or when he has taken an oath of allegiance to a foreign state. So there you go right there. It's in the fucking law. But you don't have to... So nobody got to say Joey. Joey said No, Joey ain't say shit. This came right from their law. Now, when any naturalized citizen should have resided for two years in the foreign state which he came or for five years in any other foreign state in which presumed that he shall have ceased to be an American citizen and the place of his general abode 
SWD in his place of residence during said years. Provided, however, that such presumption may be overcome on the presentation of unsatisfactory evidence to a diplomatic or a consular officer of the United States. Here we go again. I've been saying consular all night. Under the rules and regulations of the Department of State, which may be prescribed, and provided also that no American citizen shall also be allowed to expatriate himself when the country is at war. Y'all don't see what we're heading towards right now? How many niggas sitting on their ass not doing their nationality? You don't think they'll declare war and that you won't be able to do your nationality? It's in their laws. Like I told y'all, man, stop playing with this information. Take this shit serious, man. This shit, this shit really is life on the line type shit. Like freedom on the line. Like nigga, China come in, do the same shit they did in Africa. Nigga, you don't think they will? They'll do it. They're already doing it. That's why they, they come in and buy a property all in the hood. Oh, time's up. We need to collect on the debt. Who's holding that debt? Okay, let me keep going. And this is, like I said, this is a congressional record. You may have never heard it before. Okay? But, I mean, y'all need to get a copy of this. But, uh, now, section three. Any American woman who marries a foreigner shall take the nationality of her husband. Now, check that out. You see, if you're a Moor and you're a woman, this is why the first case idea was for a brother and his wife in the state of Illinois, in Chicago. That's why I love the fact that we're going to Chicago, because guess what? Guess what? Y'all got one of the best systems. I, me and this brother, we, we went back and forth on this issue. But it can be done in Illinois because they recognize they're recognizing that, right? Okay. So section three, any woman who marries a foreigner, right? So the brother went out first and then they brought his wife. They wouldn't do his wife until he did his. This is how it works. Okay, all right, let me go to the next one. Section four. Any, oh, oh, hold on. Excuse me, let me finish section two. At the termination of the marital relation, she may resume her American national, her American citizenship. If abroad, that means that you know, she was a real citizen, right? And she didn't do her nationality, she could go back to that. So if you marry a woman, you're more fellas, and you marry a woman, she becomes a woman by virtue of the law, right? And then she has to take her allegiance as well, but if not, she goes back to her status, right? And that's just by registering as an American citizen with one year with the Congress of the United States about returning to reside in the United States, or if residing in the United States is determination of the marital relationship, section four, that any foreign woman who acquires American citizenship by marriage 
when any American shall be assumed to retain the same after the termination of the marital relation if she continues to reside in the United States. Unless she makes a formal, here we go, formal renunciation thereof before a court having jurisdiction to naturalize aliens. Or, see, I told you, you marry a more, you step outside that jurisdiction. This is why it's any other act. Okay? If she resides abroad, she may retain her citizenship by registering as such before a United States consul within one year. Why do you think they keep making you go to the consul? The consul in foreign affairs. You want to be a citizen? Go to the council. You want to, be, you want to declare your right as a national? Go to the council. Section 5. A child born without, here it is, a child born without the United States of alien parents shall be deemed a citizen of the United States by virtue of the naturalization. See? Now, now see, I don't think y'all caught that. If you're a national, let me, let me read you in layman's terms. You have a baby that's born outside the United States. To Moors who are deemed, excuse me, parents who are deemed to be a citizen, right? It can only be one, right? Then the baby, by virtue of naturalization with the birth certificate, becomes a U.S. citizen over presumption. Now check this out. It says that by virtue of naturalization or resumption. See that? That means that you're resuming shit. Of the American citizenship by that parent, provided that the naturalization and resumption takes place during the minority of the child. And provided further that the citizenship of such minor shall begin at such time as the minor child beginning to reside permanently in the United States. Now, what would make a child reside permanently in the U.S.? I know most of y'all shouting. Most of Putting your child in public schools, being public in a motherfucker. Section six: All children born outside the limits of the United States who are citizens thereof, in accordance with the provisions of the section nineteen hundred and ninety-three of the Revised Statutes of the United States, who continue to reside outside of the United States in order to receive protection of this government be required upon reaching the age of 18 uh, years to record in the American consulate their intention to become residents and remain citizens of the United States and shall be further required to take an oath of allegiance, here we go again, to the United States upon attaining their majority. Now, most people didn't attain their majority they authenticated their birth certificate. Unfortunately, it took people a long time. And I don't think most people still don't understand that you attain the age of majority once that was done. This is the reason why you, you effectively took your certificate of naturalization and stepped outside and said, I'm an adult now. I know how to do this now. And most of y'all have never done it. And done what? Is what you may be saying. You haven't come up out of her. You haven't left and went into your ancestors' jurisdiction. Now, they're telling you that as a child, if you were born without the United States, outside the limits of the United States, which means you were born in any other state in the United States, but then you got naturalized into the state of 
at the age of 18, when you was 18 years old, you were supposed to declare who you was. I know this now for a fact. Now, section 7, let's see here. Okay, section 7 says that duplicates any of the, uh, the, the, the duplicates of any evidence, registration, or other acts required by this act should be filed with the Department of State for record. This was approved March the 2nd, 1907. All right, this is in the 59th Congress, Section 2. All right, y'all can get a copy of that. That's really interesting shit. Now, let me show y'all one more thing. Because when we're talking about, you know, these projects and everything like that, for instance, you know, if, you, if you're stateless, like, look at, I want y'all to look at the project around just, just around the ghettos, right? And think about all of these people. These are stateless people, right? Effectively, right? We can just take the people in poor, poor neighborhoods. They are effectively stateless. They are taxed crazy. They're under the minimum wage, most of them. And the living conditions are poor, right? These are these are refugee camps. You have to come up out of this stateless shit. You cannot be stateless. Okay. Now, so we went into the the Barbary Treaties. All right, just a review here. We went into the rights of protection in Morocco. We went into the 59th Congress tonight, okay. Congressional Record. We went into the protections under Morocco. Okay. Now, I got one last thing I want to read to y'all. Okay. And this is coming from um, this is coming from the same document, actually. I'm going to read this to you. It says, the report of naturalization commission submitted to the Congress in its last session recommended that the Declaration of Intention as a preliminary as a preliminary to naturalization as a citizen of the United States should be abolished, showing an important reason for the recommendation that one who has made a declaration occupies the anomalous position of having effectively abandoned one's allegiance without having acquired another. This is what makes you stateless, okay? But the new naturalization law has retained this requirement, and it seems probable that it will continue to be part of our naturalization system. This is the, the yo, everything I read tonight is the new naturalization law. You have to take the ultimate allegiance. I'll show you before we go, before we go to the car lines, okay? Realizing this fact, the logical conclusion seems that the government must attempt uh, the responsibilities which the law imposes and accord under certain circumstances temporary protection to a declarant who goes abroad on a visit. We offer, therefore, the following, that the protection of this government be accorded to those who have the declaration of intention to become citizens of the United States and go abroad for a brief sojourn, but that such protection should not be effective in the country of their origin and should not be extended to those who have resided in the United States for less than a period of three years. Under the laws Excuse me. Under the law, an alien who desires to become a citizen of the United States must declare on oath before the clerk of court 
authorized to naturalize aliens, that his intention to become a citizen of the United States and renounce all other allegiances and to be intended permanently to reside in the United States. Such declaration must be made within at least two years prior to his final application for admission. This requirement is applicable to all aliens except those who have been honorably discharged from the military service of the United States, but none can be enlisted in the Army who have not made the declaration. This exception is now unimportant. It is not required in the case of one who has served in five years in the military. Now check this, right, because what they're telling you is that you have to make a declaration now. You have to make an oath of allegiance. Now, I'm going to read something to you here. This is the beginning of this document that I think some people may have missed. Let me pull it up here. Okay, here we go. Um, make sure I'm finding it right. All right, here we go. Um, it says that, and, and I'll just I'll start here. It says, by an order, July 3rd, 1906, the undersigned uh, was on the board to inquire into the laws and the practices regarding citizenship, expatriation, and the protection abroad, and to report the recommendations for legislation to be laid before Congress, pursuant to the recommendation of the Committee on Foreign Affairs of the House of Representatives. Okay. It says that we recommend a law to be enacted authorizing the Secretary of State to issue under such rules and regulations as the President shall prescribe. Certificates of nativity to natural-born American citizens, temporarily resident abroad, or whom intended temporarily to reside abroad for legitimate purposes, setting forth their place of origin, date of birth, place of permanent residence in the United States. B, that every male child being an American citizen resident abroad who, des- who desires to enjoy the protection of this government be required upon reaching the age of 18 to record the most convenient American consulate his intention to become a resident and remain a citizen. See, this is what I'm trying to tell you. And to take an oath of the allegiance, maintaining his authority. See, they want you at 18 to go in there and tell them, I'm a U.S. citizen. And, and you know how they get you to do it at 18? I know y'all know. I know y'all know because I just read it to you. Selective service. You know, when you're 18, selective selective service registration, they make that shit fucking um, mandatory if you want to get in college. You got to be in the selective service. Ain't that you said? Now, uh, just a second, I lost my spot. Okay, here we go. See that the American citizen residing continuously outside of the United States for more than one year be required to register at his most convenient United States consulate at least one year. Uh, at least once a year, his place of residence, his place of birth, the nationality of his parents, the occupation, the last place of residence in the United States, and to give solemn assurance of his continued allegiance to the United States and his intention to return thereto. An entry to the names, ages, and places of birth of the wife and minor children should also be required. 
that the Secretary of State be authorized under such rules and regulations of the President and shall prescribe to extend the protection of the government and to issue qualified passports to those who have made a declaration of intention to become nationals or citizens of the United States or without in accordance with the requirements. Okay? Now, this is where you get your 8 USC from. Okay? They had to codify it, put it in somewhere for you. Okay? It says the protection of passports should not be effective in the country of the origin of the declarant and not to be granted to those who have resided in the United States for a period of less than three years. If we recommend the passage of an act, a declaration, that expatriation of an American citizen may be assumed first when he obtains naturalization in a foreign state, and second when he engages in the service of a foreign state and such service of the taking of an oath of allegiance to such state. Third, when he becomes domiciled in a foreign state, and such domicile shall be assumed when he has resided in a foreign state for five years without the intent to return to the United States. So there goes your your uh, your rights of protection in Morocco right there. Right? Who make a choice? You can't be double-minded. But an American citizen residing in a foreign state may overcome the presumption of expatriation by competent evidence produced. Let me repeat that again. But an American citizen or let's say a national residing in a foreign state may overcome the presumption of expatriation by competent evidence produced to a diplomatic consul officer of the United States. Now, I want you to think about this backwards because I'm reading this because you, you got to understand that they're telling you how to go back in. This is why I just read the whole thing about women and women marrying, right? Because if a woman marries a more, she becomes a more, but she doesn't do an effective, an effective oath of allegiance. Right, prescribed under these laws, right, showing where she's domiciled, she's in a foreign state, all of that. They pull it back in, they'll pull you back in. Any person who should have been accompanied, excuse me, who should have accomplished expatriation in the manner set forth in the preceding paragraph shall, in order to reacquire this particular citizenship, be required to comply with the laws applicable to the naturalization of aliens. The exercise of the right of American citizens to expatriate himself should only be permitted or recognized in a time of peace. Told you. B. The American woman who marries a foreigner should take during coverture the nationality of her husband with termination of the marital relation by death or absolute divorce, and she may revert her American citizenship. Okay. It's real straightforward, man. So, uh, you know, hopefully y'all got this tonight because this is a lot of information. And you may want to start with this case that we read first. And I'll give y'all the case again. It's Cruding versus Neal, 1777. This is roughly 10 years before they did the actual Treaty of Peace and Friendship. But mind yourself that there was a lot of treaties prior to that. Right, we're talking about we're talking about ten years worth of treaties. So, understand that the Treaty of Peace, which was mentioned in this particular case, directly ties into this. This guy was a subject, a British subject, okay, and he to- 
told them the same thing. I'm not a citizen. Not part of y'all shit. So we've been dealing with the same shit literally since the 1700s, maybe before that. Declare your intention to be a more. Declare your intention to be who you are. This will be what, you know, makes the difference. All right? All right, let's go to the call lines. Go to um, go to 513-262. You're on the line. What's up? 513-262, you're out there. All right, we're going to move on. 786 Two nine zero. Peace, what it do? What up, what up? Man, chillin', chillin'. Um, I'm just touching base, man. I ain't been here in a while. No, but... Man, I I up. Man. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Um, but, uh, just wanted to get on the, um... You just dropped wanted to get on the... You know what I mean? Don't have Huh? You said what? And I'm just dropping this information, man. You know me and John had a nice conversation over this information, so I figured I'd bring it to y'all and let y'all digest it yourself. Yeah, man, for sure, bro. I wanted to see if, if y'all was, because um, I missed it when you came down to South Florida and Miami. I wanted to see if y'all had plans on coming back down here, maybe Broward or something doable. You know mm, I doubt we'll be back down there this year, bro. It'll probably be sometime next year. To be honest with you, we we about, we about done for uh-huh. this. It's just about it. Man. I feel you, dog. Mm-hmm. We y'all gonna have that new um? It's closing time. Do, uh, that thing I did last year. The the new year. Yeah, we y'all gonna do the new year? That? Oh, that's it. That's New Year's, bro. We gonna probably do it in either uh, Vegas or Atlanta this year. Hell yeah, uh, hey. I gotta go this time, man. Last year I couldn't go with y'all, man. I gotta go this year. Yeah, come on out, bro. Too many you know, blessings going on time, right now. You know, right? I know. Yeah, bro. It's serious blessings you know, going those, on. Those, those rituals are important, man. But you know, it's more important to do that same ritual in, in the privacy of your own home too. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So you don't have to wait on us to do to do your own money ritual. You know, to do your own spiritual bath, you know, get that in too. For sure, for sure. I'm looking into it. Ask you this then. You ain't coming this year, um, down south of Miami. Uh where I, where I gotta get with you on a consultation or something to, to talk about this night. Yeah, you gotta go my website. on it too long. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just go yeah. on my website. You can book on my website. Who is this, Medina? Oh, you got it on, like... Yeah, it's Medina, man. <laughs> oh, what's up, nigga? What's up, what's up bro? Yo. What are your boys, You already know, man. I've been down here making I see moves. You. I, I, I see you. I see you out here. I see you. That's what's up. Man. Yeah, yeah, just link with the me The Matrix got a nigga, man, but I'm going to get there soon. Man, bro. I know it's, it's, I know it's, it's I know it is. I know it is. off the map for a minute. Good to see you back, though, yeah. bro. <laughs> So you got it in your in your website? What the whole the whole steps the how to is all on the website? Uh, no, nah, you got to get with me. Uh, the how to on what? What you trying to do? The nationality tip, man. Trying to at least oh, yeah, at least get, get that right, that. before. Yeah, 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 you got to get with me on that. You, you either got to book a, you either got to come to a seminar, or you got to or you gonna have to you know you have to book a nationality consultation. We, we can go from there. 
Nah, for sure, for sure. I, I know that's just crucial, crucial. Yes, it is. For sure. Right, that's what I'm talking about. I ain't going to hold up your space You've been much. neglecting it. Okay, dog. Yeah, I've been neglecting Please. it. Neglecting it, but the but, law hey, is still but, there, but man. The law know, is still in full effect. Yeah, it's all good, though. Yeah, it's still time. Doing, bro. It's still Peace time. Peace to the God, bro. I think you got a little bit of a delay on your phone, bro. How about now? Yeah, yeah, you good? You had a little delay. No, nah, I was just gonna say, um. I'm going to definitely link up with you on that aspect so that we can start making these moves, bro. So with that Charlie, I'm telling you, I got Hell yeah, boy. I got, my, I got my shit looking decent. I got my girl shit on, on fleet. We, 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 we got the CTN thing started up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, good, I'm good. doing That's some shit up, right, boy. I ain't uh, going to jail all the time. That's what's up. <laughs> Listen, man. Listen, right. Listen. Yo, send me the fam over there, nigga. Two, two, two gun hairy, nigga. <laughs> no, I right, go down. Yo, send me the fam. <laughs> yeah, nigga. Fuck you, nigga. <laughs> but shit, we can't. Hey, that's what's up, man. Bless Anybody you else? and your people, man. I huh? appreciate it, bro. You know we in the marijuana business now. We trying to take you this are. shit. That's to, why. Taking this shit out. That's why I did all that. I saw that. Bruh, the shit, the shit's moving so fast. We about to lock Florida all the way up. All the way yeah, up, Yeah, lock man. in with me, brother. Yeah, definitely lock in with me soon. So, so we can right, um, do some business. Okay, bro? For sure, man. Stay blessed, man. Okay, Touch on. Stay blessed, man. Y'all keep doing what y'all do. You do the same, bro. Good to hear from you. Peace to the God. Right here. Peace to the God. My good brother right there. All right, 773. Four five four, you're on the line. What's happening? <laughs> One more time. Seven seven three, you there? Alright, we're moving on. Four 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 eight four, what's going down? Peace to the guys, Joey B. Hollywood, what's up, bro? Peace to the guys. How you doing? Chilling, chilling, man. See what's popping with you. You know what I mean? I see you We're going in. Drop some shit tonight, man. Nah, bro, I'm just riding with you, man. You know what I'm saying? My number's been a little. I'm getting what you're saying. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to bring some information, but you know, it took me a minute to get to it because the thing is, is I gotta jump from one thing to the next so that y'all can, y'all can tie this shit in. But this case, bro, I don't know if you read this case, but this is a hell of a case. Cruden versus me. Right, right, right. I wouldn't mind, you know, I ain't get to catch the link, you know what I'm saying? Because right now I'm uh, working on this little building type thing, you know, cleaning it or whatever, on the contract or whatever. So I ain't get to hear the actual case for me. Are you just now tuning in? Huh? Are you just now tuning in? No, I, I've been here, but you know I had to run the vacuum cleaner and all that type of shit, so I, I couldn't hear you. Can. No, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Good. I'm gonna send you a link though. I'm gonna send you a link. I'll take it to you. Did you get that uh, thing I sent you? The text uh, I think I did. I'm sure I did, bro. 
Right. So I was I was like, damn, he ain't even send me what he was supposed to send me. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, I was like, damn, Jimmy, don't play. Bro, I gotta be busy, bro. Remind me what it was too, because I forgot that motherfucker. I ain't tripping. I know you be busy, man. I see you on Instagram in the studio, bro. I know you got a lot of shit going on. You know what I'm saying? Listen, it's all it's all cool. We work. We working, but just text me, uh, and I'll get it to you, bro. I got to remember what the hell it was, bro. <laughs> text me, though. Bro. I got yeah, it. no, it was something you were supposed to uh, send me or whatever, but, you know, it's all good, but send me that case so I can look over it. Okay, no doubt. All right, peace to the God. All right, peace to the God. All right, we're going to take a, a real quick break, I guess, and uh, we'll come back and pick up couple more calls. In the chat, you want to listen in? It's time to call in 347-989-0194. We'll be in Chicago on the 28th at the Marriott Magnificent Mile. So make sure you come out. Uh, let me give y'all the address real quick. All right, Chicago Marriott Magnificent Mile Convention Center, 540 North Michigan Ave, Chicago, Illinois. All right, come on out. Get this information. All right, John Bay and myself, we're going to be out there. Oh, also, if y'all need um, any graphics done or anything like that, um, you need a website done, go to graphhouse.com. Let me give y'all the plug for that again. Okay, just a second. Graphhouse.com. I'm going to make sure I spell it right for y'all. Alright, and also make sure you go register on my site too if you ain't registered for for the business uh the business part of the site. So if you have a business, make sure you go register if you're trying to connect businesses. Remember y'all can be each other's vendors. If you got a product, man, you can offer you can be somebody else's vendor, alright? So I want y'all to go to the graphhouse dot com. It's G R A P H X H O U S E dot com if you need to get something done, alright? Alright, so with that being said, we're going to take a real quick break. I'm going to be right back. And we'll take some more calls. Peace to the gods. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet. The new Evolution Radio Network. Let the band play. Uh, back at it again. Yeah, I told my niggas quit playing, let's run up the end. Yeah, I hop in some fast through the dash, I'm gone with the wind. Yeah, I'm rolling up blunts back to back in the big bang back bean. Yeah, money got me in the trance, I'm going in, pocket full of bitch of men. Everybody watching him, he balling again. Damn, God broke the rim, better put that shit on film. Bitch, I got skills, young nigga flexing on gym. Don't give a fuck how you feel, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Everybody cut so cut. Yeah. Everybody on go mode. Yeah. Whole gang on go go. Got aim like Rambo. Yeah. yeah. Big K's they jumbo. Big uh, them yeah. things hold hunchos. Yeah. Back at it again. Uh, my new bitch is 10 and she ain't got no friends. But she pop a little pills. And I crack all these pills so I cannot trill. Uh, Codeine what I sip. Yeah. Ain't shit change, still keep that thing right here up on my hip. Yeah. I just be the case I got caught round round with them things in my whip. Yeah. Uh, nigga, I was thick, duck, kid. Plenty sticks. Yeah. Uh, they legit, but uh, 
you know how to act <laughs> when they see us down. Don't tell people what they what you know. Right. Keep them poor. The moment I pay you, you think like an employee. The moment you accept the paycheck, your brain goes dead. That's the trap. Entrepreneurs work for free. As long as you're hungry, you'll think. The school system was designed to teach you to be an employee or a doctor or a lawyer, a specialist, but never about money. The poor will always be amongst us because it starts up here. It's, it's in their words, you know, and the words become flesh. But when they say, I can't afford it or I can't do that, they go down. They become what they say. And I meet so many people, I don't, I can't afford it, you think I made of money? My PhD dad, he says, what do you think I am, made of money? I can't afford that. And my rich dad would say, that's why he's poor. Poor people say, I can't afford it, I can't do that, I don't have time. Because this is an escape. It's an escape, you know what I mean? It's easy to say, I can't afford it. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I can't go to the gym. You know, when you could go to the gym, no, I can't. Truth is, I'm just too lazy to go to the gym. And your rich dad used to say what instead of, I can't afford it? How can I afford it? How can I do that? A question opens a mind, a statement closes the mind. So when you say, I can't afford it, your mind shuts down. And you become what you say. 
people right now who are sitting at home <clears throat> who are struggling financially or worried about money or unhappy, they may be making a lot of money, but unhappy with what they're doing, it was probably taught to you. You know, your super ego was taught, get a job, work hard, or you'll, or you'll never be rich, or the rich are evil, or whatever. Poverty is passed on. It's taught in your families. And middle class is taught in families. And until you change your mindset, Correct. money won't help you, right? Correct. And we see that with people that win the lottery, people that make more money, they still have the same problem. Right. Because they have that poor man's soul. Correct. If you're poor, you'll always be poor. That's really hard for people to understand. Yeah, the money will disappear that fast. Just like most pro athletes, you know, they make millions of dollars and what, 65% are bankrupt five years later? It's because they come from poor families. But unfortunately, what Mr. Lipton was saying, it's passed down genetically. That's the frightening thing. If you don't want to learn it, I can't help you. You know, I have bad luck too. I've, I've had financial crashes. I've had people stab me in the back. But they're all good because I grow from it. That's spirituality. You know, people who are afraid of making mistakes like they teach in school, they don't ever grow. Because spirituality is there's good and there's bad. There's right and there's wrong. There's up and there's down. Most people only want to be right. They only want to be positive. Well, you can't have that. That's not reality. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe. They haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school. That means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system is actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. But the average guy is standing there, oh, I'm an A student. I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this all on myself. And a, and a bunch of rugby players run you over. And you go, well, they're not playing fair. Yeah, well, you're not, you're playing stupid. You should have a team. You should have accountants, attorneys, and bankers, and all that stuff. But that's not the game I want to play. I said, then don't play the game. You know, the, the game of business is played with accountants, attorneys, bankers, hate to say it, politicians. You know, you got to know the game. You know, people say, well, money is not that important to me. Then if money is not that important to you, money is not important to you. I mean, the, you know what I mean? I don't care about money. The money doesn't care about you. You know, it, the word does become flesh. Or I'll never be rich. Or the favorite one is the rich are greedy. It's the poor that are greedy. You know, if you think about it, because to be rich, you have to give something. You know, you have to, I, I have to produce books and games, and I, I purchase real estate, I provide housing, provide jobs and all that. That's why I'm rich. But greedy people produce nothing. You know, Einstein said, you know, imagination is more important than knowledge, but knowledge empowers imagination. And what most people lack is real business knowledge, like accounting, you know, like debt, like taxes. You gotta know that stuff, but they don't teach it in school to anybody. You see, most teachers in school, they're out of ethics. They teach subjects they, don't, they themselves don't practice because I understand what a fake teacher is. A fake teacher is somebody who just wants a job and they'll teach anything. You know, they teach how to shine shoes and get paid on more money. But they really don't know what they're teaching. In life, one of the things I suggest to people, you've got to find a real teacher versus a fake teacher. 
and a fake teacher is somebody who doesn't do what they teach. And a real teacher is doing what they teach every day. Our school systems are making our students weaker. So in school, they have these things called now trigger effects. So you can't, as a teacher, you can't say anything that might upset the student. They don't want anything that might jar their point of view. You see, people say, well, why don't you give the poor money? The only problem with that is it just creates more poor people. Give a man know. a fish, he fishes for the day, or eats for the day. Yeah, you give a man a fish, you get a lot of people who want more fish, you know. But you teach them to fish. We become creatures of our own habits. And until we break the habit, we don't change. Our schools don't teach that. Our schools teach almost the exact opposite of that. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe. They haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school. That means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system's actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. So what I say to young people is you, you find your game. So my game financially is business, number one. Second is real estate. And that's why I pay no taxes. That's why Trump pays no taxes. Legally, it's a combination of business and real estate that gives us an unfair advantage over employees because they don't know what to do. And a lot of people would rather sit in the stands than be in the game. One of the greatest ways to acquire great wealth is playing Monopoly in real life. Four greenhouses, one red hotel. But is that all there is? That's it. Robert, if I could give you uh, some kind of a magic phone and you could make a call to the the 20-year-old Robert Kiyosaki and give that young man a bit of advice. What would you tell him? I would just say keep going. Just do what you have to do. Just you know, live it to the fullest. Which I did. Nothing I ever did made sense. Now, could you imagine quitting a $120,000 a year job for $200 a month to go fight in Vietnam and almost die? It, it didn't make sense, but it was the best decision I made at that time. And I think what most people do is they let their parents or their friends talk them out of life. So afraid of failing. But failing is how we succeed. You look at the, you guys look at guys like Edison and all that. They failed like 10,000, no, 1,014 times before he invented the light bulb. You know, our schools punish you for making mistakes. That's why we have so many people who are so afraid of admitting they make mistakes or afraid of failing. Listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation.